What's up, guys? Welcome back to Burn the Ship, the podcast that inspires entrepreneurs to go on all in and connects them with the professionals that can help them do it. I'm your host, Kelly. And I'm Jordan. And today, our guest is Noelle, and she is with <laughs> Performance Canine, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself and her business. Thank you so much for coming in with us today, Noelle. Thanks for having me. This yeah. is fun. I'm excited. Um, my first podcast officially. Um, so I'm owner-operator of Performance Canine. It's a dog training company that I started in 2019. I specialize in basic obedience because that's what most clients are going to need. And then after that uh, is behavioral. I'd say behavioral is probably going to be more of my bread and butter as far as getting clients in because most people can teach their dog how to sit, stay, lay down, walk on a leash. But it's when we start to struggle with our dogs in public at home with um, hyperactivity, anxiety, aggression issues. We've got this whole pandemic puppy. You kind of see that a little bit later in there. Um, but the, just working on behavioral stuff. And then again, I like to move in from, we do our obedience, we get our behavioral done and moving into giving our dogs a job. So I do a lot of sports. So I try to bring in a job for the dogs. Uh, I work in this area, um, in the Aquar, Thallus, Temple, Bremen, Smyrna, you name it. I'm traveling all around. So when did you start uh, kind of learning how to train dogs? What, what are, where are you from? What did you do before this? Give us a little bit of background on you. Um, so I came from customer service. I bartended for a really long time. That's why I'm a good dog trainer. Mm, story of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can handle drunks, then you can handle dogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the dogs are easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you got that voice, the, the voice you're talking yeah. about, when you really got to get on to mm-hmm. them. I like how you called it the mommy voice. Yes. I'm not a mom, but, yeah. I mean, I would say our it's do- about the same. Our dogs are our moms. Or we're the dog moms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So when I'm talking to him, my yeah, my mommy voice comes out. Yes. So bartending and then the customer service aspects. I did retail for a while as well. So like, because I don't train dogs. I show dogs what to do and I train people. So that dynamic and being able to interact with people, be able to explain to the humans in different ways how to train their dog is, is really what your job is as a dog trainer. Um, I... Have always been a dog lover, animal lover. I've played with critters. I was like big tomboy when I was a little girl. And um, I've always had animals. Um, I got started with a problem Rottweiler. His name is Killian. He had every single behavioral issue that you could think of. And I didn't want to give up on him. I didn't think anybody else could or would put the time into training him. I felt like he'd either be euthanized or be like locked outside if someone else were to take him. Uh, Just because his behavioral issues, he had a lot of aggression issues. And so I went through everything that you can think of trying to alleviate and manage his aggression issues. So he was the the inspiration of me becoming a dog trainer because I had to learn through him. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, I decided that I didn't want to have an office job or a regular job, you know, waiting tables and bartending. I just couldn't sit in an office all day. It wasn't for me. So I ended up getting certified in 2011 and working in rescue was really like helpful because that's a lot of behavioral issues. And it's kind of similar to my Rottweiler as far as 
figure it out. Like, you know, you're getting this dog from the shelter and I did Rottweiler rescue and trying to integrate them with an already aggressive dog that I had in the house, my other dogs, my cats, uh, but doing foster work. I always tell people, if you want to get into training, do fostering. And fostering is like really crucial to help rehome and rescue dogs into because that you're that home in between the shelter and their forever home Mm -hmm. and they can't pull more animals out of the shelter if they don't have a place for them to go and i guess too in fostering you get experience with a bunch of different kinds of dogs too yes oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) you get really nervous dogs the hyperactive dogs you get aggressive dogs um, you get sweet dogs you get the dogs that you want to keep you get the dogs that you're ready for them to go (laughs) i feel like that would be the hardest part is wanting to keep them yeah so you just um actually the easiest way to deal with that is you just get rid of your husband there you go and you can have as many dogs as you want absolutely and that's (laughs) what the people need to hear (laughs) no need for men you've got your dog yeah so it was easy when i fostered because i had someone kind of regulating my intake of animals so uh, yeah but that makes sense yes so with that kind of that Rottweiler just kind of puts you on to mm-hmm. developing the skills yes. in order to train. So um, Rottweilers have docked tails. So we're talking about body language. They have docked right. tails. Uh, they have floppy ears and they're black. So they don't really show a lot of body language. And Rottweilers in general are a little bit like more silent communicators. So I had to become hypersensitive to body language with him. Because he wasn't just going to snap. Like it was a vet visit if mm-hmm. something went down. So... You learn, because you don't want to deal with that again, to really be aware of what's going on. But, yeah, my problem child got me into <laughs> into dog training. Yeah, that's awesome. And it takes a lot of respect because I know um, I have a lot of controversy surrounding my child. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a blue-nosed pit bull. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he wasn't difficult to raise but it's the humans around us and he's an angel and he is absolutely wonderful i mean he has never bit another dog he runs away from fights we've Mm -hmm. been at a dog park no leashes no he's a mama's boy i've definitely seen that yeah but there will be full-blown dog fights and tito was right next to it yes i named my dog tito yes it's after the vodka i had a moment i just kept going with it (laughs) hey whatever he's cool um that's why he's tito um and like full-blown dog fights not on leashes, and he runs away and hides under my legs. Like, Tito, (laughs) you are a blue-nosed pit. You should, like, the stigma around pits, you should be the one that starts the fight. Mm -hmm. But that's always my issue is having him out in public. I'm never worried about him. I'm worried about the dogs that are around Mm -hmm. him because at the end of the day, if a dog gets bit and my dog is there, my dog's going to get the blame for it. I'm going to get the blame for it because my dog is a pit bull. So it takes a lot to just be able to manage dogs in general, Mm -hmm. especially those breeds like Rottweilers and Pits and And German German Shepherds. Shepherds. Mm -hmm. Because it was hard for us to get house insurance Mm because of it. Yeah, I'm going to have a really hard time. I'm looking to buy a house right now and so many people. I offer a CGC program. Does pretty well with that. It's canine good citizen. Deal. Deal. Okay. I'll I'll definitely be contacting you for that. Uh, It tends to do a little bit better with insurance purposes. And if anything were to happen, you've got that little title after. So anyone who goes through my classes, 
they're all from the American Kennel Club. It's the Canine Good Citizen. It's a certification program. They test at the end of each of the six-week courses. So beginner, intermediate, and advanced obedience, you get a certification for each one that you can register your dog through the CG or the AKC, which is the American mm-hmm. Kennel Club. And it holds some weight in court. Uh, it's a great way to start if you want to get into therapy or service work. But I tell all of my clients, like you can keep your paper and your ribbon. Don't worry about it. But if you've got a, a bully breed or a guard breed, you should definitely register your dog. Pay the extra $20 for it to be on file that your dog has had training and has it's canine good citizen, right? So it's right. basically someone like, don't worry, I'm a good dog. Yeah, it's proving that your dog has done training, it's been evaluated, and it's passed a, a series of tests. Part of it is uh, sit politely for petting, accepting a friendly stranger, reaction to another dog, supervised separation, and then basic obedience commands. So it's showing that your dog does well in public is is the benefit of the CGC program. Okay, yeah. So what um, what program did you get certified through? So I initially got certified through uh, Animal Behavioral College. It, I just saw it was on um, Animal Planet. They kept pushing it. They have a couple of courses. It was grooming, uh, dog training, vet tech, and now they have like cat training, which is kind of cool. Don't think I ever want to do it, but it's It's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, Cats need – I always kind of, like, feel like if we treated cats like we treat dogs, they probably wouldn't be such, you know – Annoyances? A-holes. I was going to say it. I (laughs) didn't know where we were at on (laughs) on the podcast. Uh, But I started through them. That's what – so part of that is it's curriculum book work and test work, and then you have to work with a rescue or a shelter. I worked with Cobb County Animal Shelter – uh, which is is that's way harder than foster work. Like you come, yeah. uh, that's a shelter. It's a busy shelter. It's a county run shelter. It's a kill shelter, and people kind of like harp on kill shelters, but w- they're a necessity, and they have to take your dog. So if if all of us bring our dogs in, they have to take them in. So if they bring in, if we bring in four dogs, the four dogs that are in there that didn't get adopted. We got to make room for the new ones. They've already been here. Oh my god! So that's the hard part about the shelter, but that's the good thing of the rescues and and working mm-hmm. through them. So I, I learned a lot, and I trained the shelter dogs. And then you have a mentorship that you go through. That's like six or eight weeks of working under someone. But I would say I learned a lot more doing the foster and rescue work. Yeah, it is difficult, though. I worked in – I didn't work. I volunteered uh, with a woman named Sherry. Mm -hmm. Um, She works for the Cherokee – I think so. She works for the mm-hmm. Cherokee Humane Society. Mm-hmm. You know, her. Sherry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's incredible. I've so, fostered a lot of dogs through her. Yeah, and I have... Is that where you sent Dansby the email? Yes, yeah, and we're not going to yeah. disclose any of that information that because could, I don't want anybody, be anybody else to know that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's very difficult seeing dogs that have been abused. So when I walk into her home, she shelters, like... 20 dogs at a time oh, and a few cows at her at her own home bless her heart yeah it's incredible and she was telling me my dogs are being so her, bad right now i'm so they're sorry being oh, good. They're, they're angels and she was telling me that her entire life she would come home if she was like playing around the streets with her friends and she'd always come home with an animal mm-hmm. and her parents are like 
no, don't bring home any more dogs. We have five. <laughs> like, stop bringing these dogs home. And she said that she just felt a stronger t- connection to animals than she did with people. Mm-hmm. And it's nuts because my older brother is the exact same way. He's better. He's super introvert. But with animals, he's, like, all in and, like, absolutely obsessed with dogs, cats, any sort of animal he loves. And it takes a special kind of person to be able to go in and do that work and deal with the the dogs that have these issues because they don't just come up like they're not born with these issues and that that's just my perspective people can disagree i don't believe that dogs are born with i'm gonna touch on that anger i don't believe that they're uh i mean okay with pit bulls Mm -hmm. people say that they are aggressive aggressive and x y and z and i don't believe in that i think that it is the experiences that you go through just like a person mm-hmm. with the trauma that you get put through uh, comes out with their behavior. Mm-hmm. If they're, you, they're abused, then they're going to be scared or they're going to be angry and they're going to have the same sort of traits that a human would if mm-hmm. they're abused and all of that. So touch on what I just said. So you have uh, nature versus nurture. So genetics mm-hmm. play a huge role in how our dogs act so one of the stigmas of pit bulls so now let's talk about pit bulls a pit bull is there's the american pit bull terrier mm-hmm. that's a purebred dog yeah when you go to the shelter every bully breed mix is labeled a pit bull mm-hmm. it could be amstaff boxer american yeah. bulldog so you're taking all of these breeds smashing them together and then giving them breed characteristics which isn't that's you can't do that. So, yeah. so one of the things we talk about is like, so if a healer bites and at the heels and tries to herd the children and a hound chases the scent, those are genetics, right? Well, yeah. So we try to say that that's not true of a dog that was bred to fight, right? So these are Catahoulas, right? Catahoula leopard dogs. They are prone to aggression. They are hunting dogs. So we'll go back to nature versus nurture. I knew with these dogs that they are prone to animal aggression and human aggression, I over-socialize them as much as possible. Now, Mm -hmm. you saw, like, Darla has a little bit of stranger danger. That is her breed Mm -hmm. characteristic. And I've done everything the same between the two dogs. And Driver's a lot more social. So it's not to say that they are inherently aggressive, but they are going to be more likely to have aggression issues. Yeah. And that's where your nature versus nurture. And that's where everyone, when they're talking about... It's how you raise them. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to be predisposed to aggression depending on the line that you have, right? Yeah. So it's trying to make sure you over-socialize and making sure that you got your mom voice, that you're in charge, yeah. your dog knows that, that you are the leader. We don't really want to use the, the term alpha, but the term alpha that you, your dogs know that you're in control. So what mm-hmm. happens with dogs like that is they typically are more dominant. Right. So when we want to be soft moms and baby a dog that's prone to being dominant and aggressive then they are going to be more likely to turn out that way yeah as long if we don't have that structure behind it Mm -hmm. so you really want to make sure that you are in charge your dog knows you're in charge because a lot of aggression a majority of aggression is fear aggression so the fear aggression happens so if you go outside I have an insecure dog and I've made them feel like they're in charge of me by by babying them so when they see a potential threat they are 
going to have to be bigger mm-hmm. and ward off the threat. So that's where you get some of that reactivity, that aggression. So it's really about making sure that your dog knows that you're in charge and that you will take care of the threats. But the bully breed mixes in general, you know, you're you're giving a a mixed breed dog and they're calling it a pit bull, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're saying that they're all aggressive. That's that's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair <laughs> at all. And it really makes me like there's very few things that I actually get angry about mm-hmm. besides animals. I feel like you have to be a sadistic, absolute F word in order for you to abuse an animal and to talk poorly about like, yeah, if a dog is being bad, you kind of look at the owner like, "Mm, like control your dog. Right. But when I'm just walking my dog down the street, for instance, I was, I went to the University of West Georgia and me and my friend at the time we were just walking our dogs and she had a golden doodle. So it's a, obviously a very like hyper hyper, but like she was way worse than Tito, like not a good dog. <laughs> All dogs are good dogs, but very misbehaved. Mm-hmm. And we were just walking through campus and a group of guys came out of the library right as we were walking past and we stopped to let them pass by us. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the group, like a few of them were like, Oh, cute dogs. And then, one guy just stopped and stood right in front of me, probably like 20 feet from me and Tito and just stood there and stared at Tito. So Tito like got into like a stance and just mm-hmm. was like looking at me he's because protective. he's a protective dog. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, direct eye contact is very confrontational. Extremely. It mm-hmm. is for people. Yeah. <laughs> that's for that's dogs. exactly how I explain a lot of things is you have to put it in perspective of how a human would react to the same thing. Yeah, it, exactly. And he just stood there and stared at Tito. And I was looking at him and I was looking at Mel and I was like, what's happening? Like, I have no idea what's going on. And then he walks past me finally, like, like keeping his distance. And he's like, I'll effing kill that dog. And I, so that's I had some audacity. For you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had some audacity. I turned around and I just freaked him a new one. out. I was like, try me. <laughs> like, my dog doesn't have to fight you. I will. Me being like a five foot two little I'm ha- little I'm all girl. About this it. guy's like six five. I'm all I'm about. Like, I'm all about it. Don't mess with my dog. <laughs> but that's a stigma that goes around so many dogs. Um, and it sucks. Those but- bully breed mixes. It's funny because you have like the two people. You have the people that like go directly in to a guard breed and like, hey, how you doing? Because yeah. those are the people. And then you have the people who do this. And let me tell you, it's though, literally one or the other. It's really interesting. So the people that are afraid of dogs or the guard breeds, they will trigger guard breeds because their behavior is not normal Mm. human behavior. Oh, that makes sense. So when they start shying, so it triggered my Rottweiler every time. So they'd start like side-eyeing, moving to the side, weird body language, and their guard breeds are bred to pick up on those. You you Mm. don't look like you belong. You're giving me strange body language Mm -hmm. I I need to be on alert for you so it's it's really funny that people that are afraid of dogs end up triggering dogs so it's like this vicious cycle of yeah of keeping of continuing to have bad experiences with dogs Mm -hmm. so do you feel like this skill that you've developed with training these dogs do you think that it has helped your I mean life do you think that the skills that you've learned have translated into your human interaction with people? 
Definitely. I think it's like gone back and forth from having like that retail bartending experience to the dogs because I've always been an, an animal person. Um, you, you're a therapist. It's weird. Like it's, it's still like you really have to help people. They get really frustrated with their dogs. Some dogs have to be euthanized. You have to tell them that it's a youth is the best, safest option. That rehome is the best option. Um, so like that empathy with the dogs and, but I mean, it, they, it goes hand in hand away, the way that dogs communicate with each other. And then the way that we communicate with each other, but definitely my, my skill set it bleeds all together. Like if I'm able to talk to dogs or about dogs, it's, it's all I do. So my whole life is all dogs all the time. So that's been the benefit of getting out of like the normal world and only having to talk about dogs all the time. <laughs> yeah. So do you think that you want to build your company or would you prefer for it to just stay you? Do you want to build oh, a company out of it or? Yes. Okay. So I, I have an apprentice right now that I've, I'm training right uh, as of now and I want to start to bring in uh, more apprentices that want to learn and have them work under me, uh, going a little bit more virtual, going that route. But definitely want to build the performance canine brand, branch out, and have, you know, quote-unquote little franchises like, here, you're a trainer, and you work under the umbrella of performance canine. I really want them to still have, like, their own identity. And they, they, I don't want people to just train the way that I train. And I feel right. like that in the dog training world is is difficult. It's it's a – and y'all know from networking, but, like, the competitive nature where yes. people are like, let's hold in all of our information. Let's critique everyone else. They don't know yeah. what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I really want to change that dynamic of, like, support and, and building a different type of infrastructure and community within the – dog training world but eventually I would like my own sports facility is like the goal because I love love dog sports and there's nothing out here uh you have to go north west or south there's no dog training or sports facilities obviously we still do dog training but Mm -hmm. I like to do dog sports that would be awesome Uh, the world is I have a thousand ideas of what I would like that's good that's what you have to do as an entrepreneur you can't Mm -hmm. stop moving it's like it's the exhausting. only thing is which ones you need to have another you idea. Have to figure out which yeah, it's that mindset mm-hmm. of every entrepreneur mm-hmm. is just like our owner and CEO Jay. I mean, he is always well. That's why you have constantly this learning. Yeah. yeah, we wouldn't be a extremely successful local business if it wasn't for him constantly striving for the next thing, mm-hmm. a different project, all the time. But. I mean, it builds. So it's a great thing that you have all these ideas. So I want to know, and I feel like a lot of people that are dog owners want to know, is there a difference in training a puppy, Mm -hmm. say six months, starts getting training, versus my dog that's four years old? Is there a different route that you take? Or can dogs, like... Old dogs don't learn new tricks. Old dogs around definitely that. learn new tricks. That's um, so you could still train 100%. my dog not to jump on people because that is his one downfall. Absolutely. He is perfect in every other way, but he does <laughs> yeah. jump on people. I, is it harder? And that's though? my fault. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the difference. So a puppy is a fresh 
slate, right? It's, it's, it's this new being. It doesn't know anything. And you want to start training from the day that they come home. You don't want to wait until six months. Six months is when the neonatal stage ends. And so that's when we're leaving like the learning and development stage and going into them as an adult. And these are ingrained behaviors and those patterns that they create. So um, they dream in. I don't know what she's doing. She's always got – every time I do my live, she's always making noises. So she's like, okay, this is what we do. It's she podcast. wants to be heard. Yes. She always she needs to be heard. She wants her voice out there. Yes. Um, but puppies definitely are easier to train within reason because, again, you're just showing them the right way that, mm-hmm. and, and you're molding them and, and guiding their path. And when you have an adult dog, you have ingrained behaviors. Right. And so – we're talking about how I explain things to people, but it's the same thing as people as dogs as we have our neurons and our dendrites and those those pathways, those neural pathways that we connect. So the way that I like to explain to behavioral clients about getting rid of an ingrained behavior is quitting smoking, right? So like you think about, because I quit smoking a while ago and like many, many years ago. But the way I did it was not to smoke cigarettes in the morning and not smoke cigarettes in my car, right? So those are like those those times where you really want a cigarette. And so if you can kind of like get through those, Mm -hmm. that that pathway. When I wake up, I always smoke a cigarette. When I get in my car, I always smoke a cigarette. Take away when you want it the most. Yeah, and you work through that. So that's what you're doing with a dog. So especially with like reactivity or excitement, Mm -hmm. when I see a human, I get overstimulated and and I don't know what to do with myself and I jump. Right. So you have to retrain that behavior. Mm-hmm. So trying to re-guide or redirect the neural pathways is what you're doing. So they're they're really strong and ingrained as an adult dog because they've repeated these behaviors so many right. times. So now you're I say it's a chipping away process of getting yeah, back. That versus, makes sense. Versus never letting a puppy jump on you. Yeah. Right? We, yeah. We don't jump on people. But what's your – Tito. So Tito is super cute and he's a pit bull and people jump on him and – or he jumps on people and he gets petted. Yeah. So he's rewarded for jumping. So why would he stop? Oh, very, very true. So you have to train the people mm-hmm. and train your dog. But, yeah, I've trained – the. I mean, these guys are three and I've – uh, they learned uh, blood tracking this year, and I put them on a uh, barn hunt this year. So oh, awesome. we're always doing something new. My Rottweiler, I had another Rottweiler, uh, Bugs, and he, I did nose work with my Kelpie and my other Rottweiler, and I would bring him, and he would complain and actually revenge pee in the office when I was running my dog. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> he that was, revenge pee. He was the sweetest dog in the whole world and I never believed in like that anthropomorphizing dogs and like he's revenge peeing. No. Dude was revenge peeing. Being petty. Oh so, yeah. Well so, I feel like dogs do that in general. Like I know that Tito definitely got pissed as hell when I was at work when I was bartending. He would tear stuff up mm-hmm. in my room. Um, when I decided that I was going to be nice and let him out of his cage, I was like, right. he's going to be a good boy. No, no, not a good boy. But then as soon as I'm home, if I'm there, he's not going to do anything. No. It's just he's pissed when I'm not there, so he tears stuff up. Mm-hmm. It's just a, not anymore. 
when he was a little baby, yeah. he did that. Now he's an angel. So they learn. But um, with he was eight when I adopted him. And by the time I put him in scent work, uh, he was eight years or ten years old, probably. I don't know how, he, how old he was. But I taught him how to find odor at ten years old. That was my next yeah, question because my German really Shepherd's impressive. ten. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like the older they get, the harder. I mean, like four is still a grown, an adult dog. But 10's like a really like dog. R- like senior citizen. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're getting up there. But definitely, I would say if their mind and their body work, then you can train a dog to do whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and especially working with um, like sports, they, they want that. And I'll go in and uh, be training younger dogs with an older existing dog. And the older existing dog is like, I can do it too. <sighs> and so I I'm like, keep up. yeah, I'm like, hey, you know, train your young dog, your puppy, but definitely work with your older dog. Like they want that fulfillment too. They like that. They, right. They want a job that it's a mental engagement, which is mm-hmm. what sports and training does for your dog. Yeah. So another question that I know my answer, I'm a huge uh, adopt, don't shop person, Mm -hmm. and people can say whatever they want about it. Uh, If I want to get the dog that I want to get, blah, 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 that's fine. But I genuinely believe in adopting instead of shopping because you you have the dogs that go into kill shelters. You have the dogs that are abused, and they need homes more than the dogs that you're paying 10 grand for that are so i read an article on this um, it, it, so these are purebred these are nalc ukc nkc champion bloodline dogs right here i got them for a specific purpose i also have two dogs that are rescues yeah and i mean i want all dogs to be even the dogs <laughs> oh she's complaining so about your do- a dog she's, don't shop <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry um, I mean, all dogs need a home, mm-hmm. but I just believe and not. Oh, yeah, she's pissed. Um, <laughs> I just, for me personally, I think that I'm gonna look at an animal shelter before I look at uh, like, like a breeder. A breeder. So let's. Let, I'll I'll kind of touch on that too and kind of go into the article that I wrote. Um, so the reason that purebreds end up in shelters are going to be backyard breeders. Mm -hmm. So anyone that I'm going to be getting a dog from, you will never see their dogs in the shelter. If you can't keep my puppy from my litter when I eventually breed my dog, um, the puppy will come back to me. Right? There's going to be contracts on there. There's going to be health tests. So he's going to have his OFAs. He's Mm -hmm. going to have all of these testing. He's titled. So responsible breeders are spending a lot of money and putting a lot of work in their dogs. They care about preservation of the breed, mm-hmm. bettering the breed. And that those those dogs don't end up in shelters. It's um, my Rottweiler I got. Craigslist, five weeks old, no mom. Dad tried to bite my ex-husband. Um, a tear... A, ton of behavioral issues like a list of things right Maybe your dog was trying to bite your ex-husband like get a divorce <laughs> that well that was the the dad of the dog that um my dog so when we went okay. to go pick him up so that's a backyard breeder mm-hmm. that and he had degenerative joint disorder by the time he was three years old so so myriad of health issues and behavioral issues and i 100 percent know that that guy would have never taken i paid 200 dollars for him like you oh. know so it's like 
those are the dogs that end up in the shelters. Yeah. The well-bred dogs don't end up in the shelters. Um, totally. Like I have rescues. I, my rescue, I didn't bring the, my naughty girl. She is, she's got more titles than all of my dogs. I can teach her anything in five, 10 minutes. I love her. I lucked out with her. So like if I, I have a specific job and a specific dog that I need. So when you go to the shelter, you don't really know what you're getting. Yeah. So if you need something specific, that's where purebreds come in, Mm -hmm. right? So um, like service work. Think about if you need a dog to do – you have different lines of dogs. So you have uh, labs that go for the blind, and then you have diabetic alert dogs, and then you have like mobility support dogs, PTSD dogs. Those mm-hmm. are a little bit better with shelter dogs because they don't have as much task-oriented training that they need to do. Right. But you have to have a dog that's going to have a sound, stable temperament that you bring them in to, mm-hmm. right? You don't know what kind of drive they're going to have. Are they going to end up with aggression issues? Are they going to have like phobias, be afraid of things? Um people with small kids, you know, you want a dog that you kind of know yeah. what it's going to end up being like. So these guys at maturation at two to three years old are very prone in pet homes, not working homes, to become dog and or human aggressive at two to three years old. So like mm-hmm. you get a Catahoula or Catahoula mix, you have no idea, it turns three, and then all of a sudden it's attacking everything. Well, you didn't sign up for that. So you kind of get that same thing when – um some of these dogs that have the mixes, you don't really know what their temperament's going to be like. Yeah. So there's definitely a place for rescue and purebred dogs. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, I'm getting Tito registered as an emotional support animal mm-hmm. um, and can't wait for that because I just want to take his little butt everywhere. He's my <laughs> little baby. But you haven't – have you noticed a difference in, in between training the two or do you feel like both of them – both sides, the purebred and the mixes, they both effectively learn skills the same. No dog learns skills the same. Well, yeah, because so, I mean, they're so like these people. are these are litter mates that I have here, which I highly advise against doing. But I'm a professional, like brother sister. Correct. Okay. Um, so there's a thing called litter mate syndrome. That's going to be my topic on my live this week. Is litter mate <laughs> syndrome? Um, but they have very different personalities. Like she is more reserved about getting pets. She's definitely more protective. Mm-hmm. So if I go somewhere sketchy, she's the one in my car. Um, he's not going to, he's going to be Tito. A driver is going to be like <laughs> under behind me like, oh gosh. Um, but predictability is what you're looking for in training when you get a purebred dog. So when you have uh, hunting dogs, like you want predictability. Yeah. Especially when like someone like myself, I'm investing a lot of time, energy, money into these dogs and then they wash out and I can't use them, especially service work. Because it takes about two years to train a dog. So you get a rescue dog and, you know, you don't know what their temperament's going to be like. So that's yeah. the benefit of the purebred is for someone who's looking for predictability, I believe. Right. And then coat type too and size, mm-hmm. right? You get, Like you think you got a little tiny puppy and it ends up being giant. And yeah. You sign up for it. Yeah. So, I mean, I love rescues and I, I did come from that, right? I mm-hmm. I. I worked in the shelter. I watched dogs not be there on after kill day, Monday's kill day on all the shelters. And you go in and they're not there. Um, and that's very difficult. And yeah. But going into the professional world and the sports world, and I, I love dog shows. Like as a little girl, like I always compete. I still do it like as an adult. But I as the dog's coming through the ring, I try to name the breed before they announce their breed. 
I love reading about um, the origins and how they developed the breed. Uh, it, it's super cool to watch like these guys specifically turn on to hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, blood tracking is um, deer, uh, wounded deer tracking is what we do. So if a hunter goes out and they um, hit the deer and they don't uh, kill it immediately, then they will call out blood tracking dogs. And they immediately, it was so cool to watch these dogs immediately take to something they had never done before. And that's natural. It's genetics. It's so cool. And, but if you're getting a blood tracking dog, a shed antler dog, um, diabetic alert dogs, I've trained those as well. It's really cool to watch that because we, we've genetically modified these dogs Mm -hmm. to, to excel at this. And we've handpicked the dogs that do really well at that um so that's i nerd out and geek out about like the genetic part of it yeah and i love my rescue dogs like they've all been wonderful for me yeah but you're right um i mean if you do want a dog that is gonna be a blood tracking dog or a hunting dog yeah those specific breeds yeah for sure i mean that just makes sense Mm -hmm. um for them to accomplish what you're right. signing up for. Yeah, because you're spending a lot of time and money on training them. Yeah, but for the, I mean, quarantine dogs, go to a shelter and adopt them. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't need them to do a specific task, you want something to love and just to be there with you and something to be your new little baby, then adopt. And if you need them to do a certain task, then go to go. Get one. I have. Go, I have all go of to both, one. and I will always. I will always rescue, and I will always have purebreds. Yeah, which is nice that you do a yeah. solid even amount. Yeah, because I came from rescue, and I was like, mm-hmm. no, you never get a purebred. And then, and now, <laughs> yeah. I, I show my dogs, and and obviously, I like pedigree, and mm-hmm. I love going and and watching just the dogs work and the different breeds. As my dog creeps, <laughs> driver. Tristan. Hi. Let's not do that. <laughs> He's crawling towards you. That is so cute. Being a little snake. Look, I thought I brought the good ones. They're oh, they're freaking adorable. So they're so they're good. normally not. He's pretty social, but normally they're just like, oh, I'll just lay here. They're so cute. So if you weren't doing this, what do you think that you would be doing? Oh, my gosh. What would I be doing? I, I honestly still something probably creative entrepreneur. I, I don't see myself doing anything entrepreneur. At, like, I, I don't – I – would stay in the animal industry in yeah. some form or fashion. I like that's a good question. You know, I think yeah. it's good to not have a backup plan because <laughs> yeah. then sometimes then you you're going to keep going with what you're doing. If you have a backup yeah. plan, you're more likely to leave Fall what you're doing it. and go to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred so, percent. I mean, I think you're in the right mind space. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no way that you're not in the right mind space because obviously you're super passionate about what you yeah. do, and I, that's and that, super important. I'm very passionate about it. I I enjoy it. It's really important to me um it's all right sorry y'all no you're good um but the yeah I, I think I just would have to stay in the animal industry yeah because uh, I like nerd out like I don't have any chickens now but like the same thing I love purebred chickens and show ch- chickens like I'm like the biggest nerd like, that's hilarious I had that's a cool hobby yeah but they, <laughs> it's they, a different one they, for sure they still show chickens there's purebred chickens yeah. That's nuts. I guess there's purebred everything, right? Yeah, so I, I've had former fashion. My favorite breed of chicken is called a salmon favorel. It's a French breed of chicken. They have an extra toe and they have what's called a muff, and that's when their 
feathers grow I was going to ask that. I've heard like French chickens, any kind of them are fluffier in their, around their faces. It's, it's different types. So they'll have extra toes, different. They'll have hair on their legs. Um, they have different wattles, colors. I had polishes are really cool. They got the little fro, the little afro. Maybe that's the one I've seen. And then I had. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And they have the silver. Uh, yeah. So I could go through all the, like, the different breeds that's of chickens awesome. too. So I nerd out all the way. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a good thing that you don't know what else you would do because I'd be a you're chicken in the, breeder. You're in, the, <laughs> you're in the right field. So you said that you have a lecture coming up or a podcast a po- live podcast alive. So okay. it's gonna. I think I'm gonna transition to a podcast, but I do a live every week. It used to just be a question and answer, uh, but it, it's it was kind of hard to get content on there and to get that yeah. interaction. So I went topic-based. So I've been topic-based for about a month and a half now. Mm-hmm. And that's nice because people can go back and watch, see, okay, I want to watch this versus me rambling on about something. Yeah. So I've done, like I said, I've done fireworks last week so everyone can get prepared for this weekend. Littermate syndrome, um, spay and neuter. I'll do one on pandemic puppies. Uh, I did one about vocalization. So it's it, uh, it's all different, and it's educational. So my passion comes with education. So yeah. a lot of the things that you're talking about, you know, it's not me saying adopt, don't shop, or the bully breeds. It's I, I've researched it vehemently. Yeah. And, and like, it's not opinion. It's research. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I really go in on it, and I, I want to make the most educated decision because, mm-hmm. you know, social media these days is – Full of crap. Yeah. Full of a bunch of crap. Yeah. So I, when I do that, I really want to make sure that I'm, I'm giving, and then like, so with spay and neuter is, is something on my, it's a passion of mine. It's on my heart and soul because my two dogs I had died from cancer was linked to early spay and neuter. So, you know, a lot of vets want you to do what's called a pediatric spay and neuter, and that's prior to six months or six right. months or before. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of health issues that go with that. I agree. So I have to be really careful with my clients versus going with the veterinarian standard now because it is the standard. It's not necessarily education Yeah, six months. So um, I just tell my clients to do their research. I'll yeah. give them a little bit of information, and I'll tell them to do their research. And it can stunt their growth as well. Um, there's a lot of things that go along with mm-hmm. neutering your kid too early. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I got rampaged by people telling me to go get Tito neutered when he was, like, six, seven months. And I was like, nope. You're really similar to me. Not so going to happen. You'd be a good dog trainer. Um, yeah. But I'm like, well, you need talk to talk about my dog's balls. Like, bring it. I'll educate you. I'll educate you. Yeah. I was like, I'm not neutering him right now so you can get over it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't get him neutered for a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, just let him fully develop because I wanted him to be as big as he could. I wanted to make sure that he was as healthy as he possibly could be because I want him to live the longest that he possibly can. Yes. And everybody that gets their dogs neutered, they or too early like just do yeah like you said just do your research do and, your research yeah and i need you to come train my dog not to jump because i messed up and the reason that he does jump is because i let him when he was little because mm-hmm. when i get home he would jump and but he like hugs like he wraps his paws around my waist and like hugs me and um 
Turns out people don't like that. So <laughs> not a I, giant pit bull I'm, either. I'm, yeah, no, not a fifty-five pound dog uh, jumping on you. But um, and it's solid it's, muscle too. Yeah. It's true, yeah. right? Muscle. He's yak. It looks like he takes roids. Like muscle and nails. His, yeah, his yes. back is nuts. But yeah, definitely. Um, it's good to know that there's not a certain age where you can stop learning. No, definitely come join in a CGC class because part of it is sit politely for petting. Mm-hmm. So we'll work on jumping. It's when I walk – it's when any anybody walks in. Okay. That's when he jumps. So we can still do private lessons as well. Beautiful. I love that. So <laughs> tell everybody um, how they can find you. Um, and how to find your lives. Also. So my lives right now are on Facebook. So it's going to okay. be at Performance Canine Training on that. It's going to – it's between 7. Sometimes I have to push it back if I have a lesson. So it'll be 7.30 on Thursday evenings. And then, um, so Facebook is really where I've spent a lot of time marketing, and now I'm trying to branch out into the other, like, Instagram and TikTok. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, Instagram is at performance.canine, and canine is spelled out in all of my social medias. And and then I have my website is performancecaninetraining.com. And then, oh, gosh, TikTok is... I think it's just performance canine spelled out. There's no punctuation in there. Uh, I try to spend a lot of time on Instagram. I'm building, trying to build up my Instagram mm-hmm. right now. Uh, building socials is really hard. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, <laughs> Kelly does it for us. Yeah, it, and, it's a yeah, lot of learning. Thing. Yeah. A lot of learning and um, not a lot of reward for a long time. Oh, I know. <laughs> we know. It's a but struggle. it'll pay off. Yeah, it's just sticking with it. So um, Facebook and Instagram, I'm working on my TikTok. Um, so so can anybody just DM you on any of those sites Correct. and yes. schedule? Mm-hmm. And my email awesome. address is on all of those. Uh, call, text as well is available. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah, in and talking us. with us. Thank you for bringing us your beautiful little children. Thank you. They we're, are so sweet and they have been so good. They were a lot more inquisitive than I thought. The, well, they're bored. And she keeps walking yeah. up to Kristen like, <laughs> she is the stranger me. danger girl. And she's, she likes She just walked right she up to me. She likes group right here. She's her head. Like, yeah. it. Well, that means that we're good people. Yeah. If you got so. Darla on your side, that means you're definitely good people. Absolutely. Because you got to earn her love. Obviously, you got to yeah. buy Thanks her a couple of drinks. Look at this. Look at this little angel. I know. That's. It's not comes Darla. right up. She's got her head in the chair. Yeah, that's not my dog. Love what you, sweetheart. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Noel, for yes, coming in. Fun. And y'all make sure to check out Performance Canine and all of these beautiful animals that she helps train. Um, you're definitely going to help me with Tito because home dog needs to stop jumping on everybody. <laughs> he can still jump on me if he wants. But <laughs> okay. yeah. So yeah, y'all check her out. And thanks again for coming on. Thank we really appreciated guys. having yeah. you here. All right. Bye, y'all.